welcome to the Kinky Cast. Heard in over 150 countries on dozens of podcast delivery services. This is a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This adult podcast is published every Friday morning in Nashville, Tennessee. Sit back and enjoy. This week's episode is number 218. We explore our kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Kwanako and Kiki on daddy and baby girl relationships. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show including links and more. KinkyCast.com Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is no one because the Beast is taking care of his girls and one is in the hospital, which is never good. And so we wish uh, the very best. In the meantime, we have uh, some special guests from the state of Texas. On the line with us is Kohana Koa and his girl, Keiki. How are you tonight? Doing good, thanks. How are you? Very fine. So you have uh, a couple different dynamics, um, and I've been doing some reading on, on the things you're into. Opening line I want to talk about is kind of a daddy-baby-girl relationship. Is is that's one of the dynamics you have, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just it's just you know, I mean, there's so many different levels, you know, that you know, there's no there's no age regression or age play uh, in our particular end of that dynamic. It's more of a uh, from a uh, from a leadership perspective, you know that a that a father figure would give down to uh, down to his little girl, you know, in more of a in more of a nurturing way, mm-hmm. and also a strict way, I guess. Yes, I mean one of the reasons because we you know we talked about starting the you know starting this a little bit early tonight. You know, one of the rules, uh, you know, for for Cakey is that she you know she she has homework that she needs to get done, and uh, you know so you know we're going to finish up her studies before uh, you know before we started the cast here tonight. Well, that makes perfect sense. I need to get my homework done, too. <laughs> so how long have you been together as a couple? Uh, it'll be five years in May. Five years. And you are married now? Well, so we're actually getting married this year, but we had a we wanted to do a lifestyle wedding in addition to our vanilla wedding. So ah. we had our lifestyle wedding last March, um, but our actual proper vanilla wedding is not until um, the end of this year. Okay. Well, yeah, I've seen the pictures, and... Um, I didn't realize there was the, a difference there. <laughs> but congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, you look like you're a very happy couple, and uh, you, you're making lifestyle work for you. Works for us, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're really happy all the time, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of in both the vanilla and lifestyle aspects of our life. The daddy-baby-girl relationship, is this a – 24/7 relationship or do you have start and end times how does that work no it's uh, it's 24/7 for us you know even when we're at work or I'm at work or she's at school and you know she you know her rule is she can have a cup of coffee in the morning and one in the afternoon and if she wants one in between there because uh you know studies or whatever then you know she'll text me and ask permission you know to have another cup of coffee or um junk you food. know have junk food with the girls <laughs> or you know whatever the situation is that uh when she's, you know, when she's questioning it, you know, she'll ask me. So, you know, I think it, from a rules and a, 
again, just a, a nurturing standpoint, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's definitely something we live 24 seven. Uh, the kinky part as well, probably, you know, I would say every night of the week, but you know, at least three or four times a week, you know, where there's some sort of rope play or, um, you know, bondage play or, you know, something like that. That's, uh, you know, just in our normal lives now It's you know, I don't even think of it now as, you know, as a 24 seven lifestyle. It's just, you know, it's just, at this point, it's just our life and it's just the way we live. And, um, you know, it's might be a little different from, uh, from other folks, but, uh, you know, it works out really well for us and we're both very happy with it. Well, that's great to have a, you know, a kinky relationship that works like that. And, and you've gone past this 24 seven thing that people often talk about. You know, you've just gone on to a normal situation, which is great. For people that have just started listening to this cast and don't know who you are, somebody's going, okay, you're a daddy that works a regular job and you have a baby girl that's going to school. They're probably wondering how old she is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's, you know, she's 29, going to be 30 in a couple of months. I'm 50. I'll be 51 uh, in a couple of months. And, so yeah, uh, yeah, solid twenty-one year. Yeah, so there's age a solid gap. twenty-one year age gap, uh, you and, know, for us. And you're completely street legal because she's not underage. Right. <laughs> right. That was yes. the thing I wanted to get out there is that yeah, this is a a play situation. Uh, you're right. living it as a lifestyle, but there is nothing wrong with this officially, which is very important. There's so much child abuse going on and and things in the news all the time that. You know, to have a good, healthy, kinky relationship and understanding ground rules and legalities is really important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, and I think there is a stigma, you know, to a uh, you know to the quote unquote daddy baby girl uh, relationship. And to age gaps. Yeah, and and age gaps in general. That's a good point. I think for the majority of the people that we know and our friends that also have a uh, you know like a daddy baby girl type of uh, type of relationship, you know, even if the girl, the baby girl you know, has some sort of age regression, things, you know, that nature, it still isn't, you know, in within that dynamic, it still isn't incestuous, I guess is, you know, the word that's, uh, that I'm sure is on the tip of everybody's tongue. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's not the way, that's not the way the dynamic works. A daddy is, uh, you know, in my mind is a, you know, is a role model and is trying to make the best decisions for his girl that, you know, in a lot of times in their awkward you know, introverted state, uh, you know, they're not, they're not always the best at making the right decisions for themselves. Well, and so this is very much a DS relationship mm-hmm. and it, it has all the ground rules that go with it. And so it's not that different from um, many relationships that are out there. You're giving mm-hmm. out the rules, she's obeying the rules and off you go. And you can kind of call it what you want. But in, in this case, I wanted you to to talk about the the daddy baby girl, because I get a lot of questions sent into the cast about this, and they range from: Are we talking underage illegal? No, we're not. Are we talking about uh, incestuous? No, we're not. And so um, that's why I brought you onto the show so that uh, people can hear from your own voices, both of you, that this is a a totally normal type of kink relationship. For us, uh, yeah, for us, for us, it definitely is. It, you know, it, it's a uh in uh, one of my writings that I have on Fet Life, which is the hodgepodge of our roles, you know that that we both have uh, in the lifestyle. I think it's um, you know it's important to note that you know Daddy Baby Girl is one of those, and again, to me, it's the more the nurturing side. Whereas you go to the other 
extreme to the uh, to the sadist masochist, where you know there is an element to our dynamic where she enjoys receiving pain and I enjoy you know giving pain in this type of relationship. And then there's also that kind of in the middle sort of uh, portion of our relationship as well, which is just pure dom sub. You know, so I think for each one of those from the far right to the far left and somewhere there in between, you know, people just need to find their, uh, you know, their, their niche and don't need to be so bogged down in the definition of the, uh, of what people are giving these, uh, you know, these particular titles or these particular roles. Um, you know, we pick daddy and baby girl as our, uh, as our roles and we present ourselves to the uh, lifestyle community simply because they, you know, we think that nurturing side of our relationship, you know, is, uh, probably the most substantial and labels. They are right. Then we live our life after labels. So (laughs) I wanted to take this opportunity to remind our listeners, if you're not going to the kinkycast.com webpage, you're missing a lot of the links. Like on this show, there is going to be links uh, that will show you the writings that we're talking about and things like that. So make sure you go over to kinkycast.com and click on the show page of this week's show, and you'll have a wealth of information, a lot more than you read in the synopsis on the different podcast delivery systems and even on Facebook. Please check that out. I'm going to remind people every week about that because we're now picked up on 53 different distribution services around the world, and I noticed that not as many are coming to the webpage to find the links. This is just a reminder. Meanwhile, back to the show, I want to talk to you about the SM portion of your relationship and and so is is that like you flip a switch and you go off to a different world yeah i think well for us um sometimes it's you know it's a uh, a planned event that's you know not necessarily on her part it's a <laughs> you know uh, most of the time she doesn't uh you know she doesn't know and uh, you know exactly what my what my plan is you know but we but we do have times you know where we you know you, you get a little stressed or just it's the normal time of the week and you know, there's a little playtime that's, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. And, you know, how much of, uh, pain play, or like I said, rope play, um, or, or, or just, you know, bondage and, and, uh, and, and sex, um, you know, is going to, is going to happen in those sessions. And sometimes they can lead, you know, it can be something that's starting off as, okay, this is gonna be, you know, in my mind, a, a bondage play session and, you know, and, uh, it could be a little sex in, involved in that. And, uh, but you know, all of a sudden it's, uh, kind of takes a turn and I just kind of go with the flow and it turns into a full blown beating session. Um, and, uh, you know, which are fun. Damn the luck, huh? (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and other times, you know, other times, you know, so I don't think it's something that we necessarily, uh, go in with a mindset of, okay, this is going to be, you need to be in your masochist role right now because I'm feeling sadistic tonight and we're going to go to town. That does happen on occasion. Um, where we do plan some of those things, but I think just as just as often it just kind of evolves into that as well. And a wonderful thing that it is, <laughs> Kiki. How did you get into the lifestyle? My first sexual experience was uh, like vaguely kinky, but I didn't know I was young um, and didn't really know anything about it or that it existed. And later, it was really fun. But later, when I thought about it, I thought maybe. Like I had been assaulted or something. And the fact that I enjoyed it was wrong. And then I ended up doing a Google search a few years later <laughs> and discovered that, um, you know, there's a whole thing called BDSM and, uh, and that it's not this like freaky weird thing that I, you know, shouldn't have, have enjoyed, but it's okay. And other people do it too. And that was sort of how I got into it. 
um, or realized I was into it and gave it a name, I suppose. And then from there, I'd found a uh, TNG meetup near me, which is the the next generation is what it's called, Munch for People Under 30. And I had found one near me, and I just sort of started going to that and you know, built a group of kinky friends and explored the lifestyle from there. May I ask what age you were when uh, you, you very first discovered it? I was 17. Okay. Yeah, so not, not terribly young. Um, no. But just kind of uh, at the experimental stage. Yeah. I was pretty awkward, so that was really my first, first sexual experience and my last for a few years as well. Well, I'd venture to say, you know, there's a, certainly an awkwardness in trying to uh, work out everybody's sexuality. And yeah. people bloom at different times. And speaking of that, Kanako, how did that uh, work out for you? When did you get into the kinky world? Yeah, for me, it's yeah, yeah. I think for all of us that uh, you know have kind of a you know doministic traits. I think you know you've always been uh, a little bit aware of your dominant nature, and of course, you know back uh, you know when we were teenagers, Woody in the uh, you know in the in the late seventies and early eighties, you know there wasn't this thing called the internet where there was a lot of information <laughs> out there you know, about what you were, you know, to most people, you were just an asshole. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and to a lot of people today, still an asshole. But, you know, I, th- I think the, uh, I think for me, you know, when I got into my late 20s, and started to mature, I kind of, uh, you know, kind of realized that, you know, it just seemed, you know, I knew I liked to, to, to be in charge in my in my personal relationships, and um, as well as, you know, other aspects of my life. And uh, the first girlfriend that I tried uh, sort of kinky, sexual, domineering type play was uh, a girlfriend that I had uh, in my, I was probably 32, 33 years old, you know, and that was just, you know, some basic bondage rope play, tying her to the bed and tickling her or doing, you know, doing stuff to her and stuff like, you know, things like that. And it was, it was really just a casual kind of play partner type of relationship at that point. That's how I got started. I say to people that they don't know if they're kinky or not, and I say, have you ever put a blindfold on somebody? Have you ever used a feather? Have you ever used an ice cube? Then right. you're probably kinky, you know? It's, right. <laughs> and that make, that really runs the percentages up in our favor, by the way. Right. <laughs> so by the time this show airs, uh, the third installment of The Fifty Shades of Grey will be out at the <laughs> movie theaters. And we have the pluses and minuses of that. The pluses of it is it's showing a lot of people that there is something called kinky sex out there. The minuses is the sloppy way they did it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people get really bothered by, um, you know, the way it's portrayed in the movie pretty unrealistically and depending on your perspective, maybe unhealthy sort of portrayal in the movies. But I think it's always good to get it into the sort of public vanilla conversation. And that's kind of how most social progress is made, right? It's super taboo at first. Nobody will even talk about it. Then you can sort of talk about it, but you're not really educated yet. And then it kind of goes from there. So I think it's a good thing overall. And one of the things I'm I'm finding is you, you'll see the books on people's tables and at the office and things like that. And you go, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that stuff? And it is a conversation starter. Sure. It is. It's a way to explain away kink to vanilla people sometimes, too. It is. I had an incident at the gym about four years ago, and I hadn't even realized I had bruises on me, and I was changing. And a lady saw me, and she looked really concerned. And after a few minutes, she came up to ask me if I needed help. And 
in trying to explain, no, I'm okay, um, she said, oh, you mean like Fifty Shades of Grey? And, I mean, not really, but yeah. <laughs> if that so, helps you. Yeah, you know, if that works for you, I'm good. That yeah. You could understand and relate, oh, okay, you're doing this by choice, it's okay. That made it a little bit easier for me. Yeah, every time I go to the doctor, they ask if uh, somebody has uh, beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do the beating, thanks. Um, yeah. So, you know, and for the vanilla populace out there to try to sort their way through these weird things that we do and love and don't wish everybody did because we don't need a bunch of practitioners that are just, you know, going to public spaces and oogling their eyes and, and touching and doing things because they don't understand protocols. They don't care to find any training or understanding about it. It's It can be really tough. Yeah, well, we've experienced, you know, a little bit of that in our local community that when we'd go to events and things like that, that, you know, you'd always have, you know, you know we always went to newbie-friendly events. And, uh, you know, and then on occasion you would get the awkward person or people that, uh, that were there for the first time. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you know, you're in the middle of the scene and, you know, they, they want to come up and ask you what you're using or how I did that tie or whatever the, whatever the situation is and it just breaks your concentration. But, uh you know, I think that's how people, you know, how people learn. I mean, how else are they going to learn? You know, I applaud people for just going out and uh, and trying to be part of the community and explore more of what they're interested in. A lot of BDSM 101 classes kind of put the word out there, you know, observe, do not leer, wait right. until the scene's over, then ask questions, you know, be helpful, bring water, whatever it is. But to interrupt a scene, and, and that is something that really put me off the public scene, uh, locally is, you know, I'm trying to get somebody in a headspace and there's a party going on. Right. Yeah. And so I choose to play privately because I control the lighting, I control the music, I control the situation, and I don't have other people to influence unless I invite other people over to help influence. So right. These are things that are um, are critical in play is how a scene is controlled. And if you're in a space where there is no control, it may not go well. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's true. You do have a public side and a private side as far as your your play? Yeah, I don't take it as a, to the extreme, obviously, in uh, in public play. And, and most of the time that, you know, in our local dungeon, which closed uh, this summer, by the way, so it's been a while since we've been, uh, been out doing anything public. But, uh, yeah, it was more to... Uh, you know, give some exposure to others in the community of the dynamic and what pain play was and, and things like that. You know, there's several of those that we went to and there were new females that might be there or, or, or even male subs, um, that were there and they were curious about pain and, um, you know, how it's inflicted and, um, you know, what the different options are and things like that. And, you know, you break out a flogger and a couple of paddles and some canes and, you know, the next thing they want is a is a bit of a demo, and you know we you know we we did some of that. Um, I never practiced on anybody other than Keiki, but they were welcome to again to watch. Years ago, when I was out on the West Coast uh, in San Francisco, Society of Janus used to have a, a sampler, and a number of practitioners would set up in, in kind of a round robin in a dungeon, and you'd go from scene to scene. And you'd ask questions about it, and it was a chance to experience a flogger or a single tail or electric play or hot wax or whatever it was. And these are great things for people to kind of sort out their kinks and find what makes them go. (laughs) 
and, and so you don't find this in too many communities, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I think definitely think that would, uh, we need more. We definitely need more, more of that. Uh, kind of a kinky carnival approach sort of thing. You know, the situation where you have uh, your local dungeon is closed. Community-run dungeons and even private dungeons are so hard to keep running because of legal issues of uh, zoning, uh, permitting, and uh, just the uh, the city fathers and mothers in mm-hmm. some cases turning a jaundice eye to what we do. And uh, right. you're in the deep south. I'm in the mid-south. And we have a Bible Belt issue, yeah. And we have sure. we have yeah. to work around that, and it, there it's not an easy thing. It's true. So you're in Dallas, and I'm surprised a town that size doesn't have a dungeon. That's really amazing. Well, we had uh, two closed down close together. We had two spaces that uh, you know had you know BDSM furniture and and uh, and things like that, and you know um, separate rooms to, for play and. So we had those two places, and yeah, they both ended up shutting down for uh, for different reasons. Over it was early summer, yeah, late spring, that. early summer of last year, and because they both happened really close back to back, and yeah, you know, that's now there's you know the leaders of the groups you know that used to uh, spend time in those spaces, the rope groups and the uh, the other groups out there would uh, you know have been looking for have been looking for a new space and in the meantime have tried out they've a been renting spots. out some hotel. Sort of that's true. They have been doing the hotel problems, so. but um, it's not really an ideal long-term solution. Obviously, it's an expensive solution. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Well, you have some interesting uh, things coming up in the political agenda down there. <laughs> One of your new uh, governor candidates is a gay leatherman. Oh, really? And um, did not know that. Yes, the uh, the the Democrat, strangely enough, <laughs> is going to. Um, Try to give a run for the money down there. Uh, Hardy Haberman is uh, uh, backing him um, and uh, taking care of uh, campaign issues and things. Uh, so we really hope that that opens some eyes. And, you know, you look at the big cities around Texas, you know, the Houston's, Dallas area, you know, Austin, all those things, San Antonio. There's a lot of Democrats in those areas that it could mm-hmm. affect uh, yeah. the vote. You get out in rural and it gets very Republican. So it's going to be an interesting run uh, down yeah. there. Well, supposedly by, I think it was 2025, if everything stays this, continues at the same rate, Democrats will become the majority in Texas. Which is really strange to think about. But. It is, isn't it? <laughs> There's so many transplants down here, myself being one of them. So it's rapidly, the Democrat population is increasing. Let's speak about that. Kanako, you, you come from Hawaii, I guess, right? Yeah, my family's from Hawaii. I was, uh, I was raised here in Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Well, I still have family, you know, that live on the islands and, uh, get back to visit on a semi regular basis, not as often as you'd like. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough life to have to go back there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Keiki, where are you from? I'm from Boston. Okay. That's a big difference. It is. Yeah. East goes south and, uh, in my yep. case, uh, west goes south. <laughs> <laughs> It's been really great to to talk with you guys tonight and and get a a snapshot into your life and the relationships of uh, daddy to baby girl and SM play and take a look at things that are going on in Texas and around. These are things that our listeners are asking about and just uh, to hear from you, you know, what you think about the lifestyle and we appreciate hearing from you. Now, hey, we appreciate you you having us and uh, sorry we missed the beast and uh, yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe some other time. Well, 
he'll be back and we'll uh, we'll we'll find you again somewhere. Sounds good. Now appreciate appreciate being on and yeah, would uh, would love to do it again whenever uh, whenever you guys want. Okay, and uh, listeners, remember that the links are on uh, the show page. So uh, come on over to kinkycast.com and check it out. That and many other episodes are there for your listening. Well over 200 episodes. Keep you busy for a long time. So thanks, guys. You have been listening to episode 218 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week, when we present, Page Turner's, new book, A Geek's Guide to Unicorn Ranching. Mm-hmm.